Hello, Erica. Hello, sicky. Yeah, I am. I'm recovering. Yep. I think right. You can tell. Oh yeah. Oh, I can understand you. You sound so much better today. Yeah. Uh, if if you, you can chart my progress through my cold slash cough via the podcast that I do, because mm-hmm. Radio Free Scar on Sunday was rough. Hockey feels on Monday started okay, but got rough towards the end. We'll see how today goes. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a shorter podcast than that, and I have a tendency to jabber, jabber, jabber. So maybe you'll be okay. No, this you don't jabber. You um you give your probably initial impressions to a story you've never seen before. Uh, and this is still a story you haven't quite seen yet because we've watched episode one of The Space Pirates, which of course doesn't exist. But it was quite a fascinating reconstruction. How so? Well, I mean, I I didn't know how much of it was real and how much of it was like actually literally constructed. There were a few moments of moving footage here and there. I didn't know if that is footage that was pulled from other episodes and just put in to give us something to look at or, or what. It, I was very curious the whole way through. Well, I will tell you. Here's the story of the space pirates in two minutes or less. So, the as I said last episode, John Kira, the person who took the telesnaps for most of Doctor Who's run and other TV shows run, sadly died in, in 1968, uh, uh, his last telesnap being the Mind Robber Episode 3. So no telesnaps exist, of course, of the invasion or indeed of any of these episodes in the Space Pirates. The Space Pirates themselves, I mean the episodes, I think they had all of like... 10 or 12 promotional photos taken on set so the various scenes that you see of dervish and cavan are basically from those like three or four promotional shots uh and so what the loose cannon people did here and i've done in previous reconstructions is they found actors who had been in other productions as close to the time of this production as, as possible and like Photoshop them on existing shots of, uh, of other um, yeah. characters and stuff. So that's how they made that happen. Yeah, I remember seeing that in like the Myth Makers and, uh, yeah. and I feel like this was, I don't know if they had had practice up until this point. Like this is by far the best looking of all of that style of uh, reconstructions that we have seen. Because like I could, I could tell that, you know, there were heads photoshopped onto mm-hmm. like, you know, spacesuits and stuff like that. But it was, it was pretty, I'm not going to say seamless, but whatever, what's the next step, you know, not quite as good as seamless, but still pretty darn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it, with the yeah. moving doors and stuff. Um, also, the the model footage, for some reason, all the model footage, the silent model footage was found in like a film can in like the early 2000s or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that those scenes also, although you saw them twisted around and moved a little bit, uh, the same shot of those two astronauts affixing the, the, the explosive device, for instance, was used three times. Which looked really good. Like those, those um, you know, must have been wire work, uh, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, really looked very good, like weightless space walking. I was impressed by that. And I was also, you know, impressed by the, you know, directorial flair of flipping it over. So it looks mm-hmm. like it's a different, <laughs> it's a different take. Well, I don't know. That, oh. that could have been written. I don't know how it appeared oh. in the finished episode. Maybe it was only meant to appear once and there was yeah. other footage. But, uh, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that looked good, and the you know the the model footage, the the pirate ship looks like it looks like it has it's a cool looking ship. Mm-hmm. I think it looks neat. It looks like it has eyes where it's like either totally giving side eye, like, right. and then like a big long nose and a mouth that's sort of sneering. So like it looks like it's either worried from some angles or like it's smirking from other angles and as it as it flies away it seems like it's not quite sure about whatever it's looking at like it's just it's a cool looking ship yeah yeah the, yeah the, the the ship design in this uh this little space opera that we're in so far is kind of cool it's also at a time like in 1969 when like the space race and like the moon landing is like mere weeks or months away at this point so like space is kind of like at the forefront and so so to sort of do a um, an episode and so far set in space was very much in keeping with the the public imagination at the time mm-hmm. yeah i this there have been a number of especially uh, patrick troughton stories that really just felt like classic like b movies um b science fiction movies you know the kind that they would show little bits of in the Muppet Babies or or show on yeah. television at you know 2 p.m. on a Saturday um, on Super 18 as I was growing up mm-hmm. like that that kind of thing and I felt that so much at the beginning of this and I made you to I made you stop and check um, the time on the on the recording like how far we were into the episode because it wasn't until 13 minutes in and t- before I realized oh wait a second, this is a Doctor Who story and we haven't seen the Doctor yet and I didn't miss the Doctor or Jamie or Zoe. It didn't even occur to me that they were supposed ah. to show up until 13 minutes in and then I believe it was like a minute and 50 seconds later. It's like 14 minutes and 52 or something like that. Hang on, well done. Oh, wow, yeah. thank you. Yeah, um, so so I feel like the timing was actually not bad. I can under- I, I can picture people complaining like, oh my God, the doctor doesn't show up until four, you know, almost 15 minutes into this thing. Whereas for me, I didn't even notice the doctor was missing until 13 minutes. So I only had to wait for him for two minutes. It was, it was great. Yeah, I think it's the record for longest uh, duration of an episode until the doctor uh, <laughs> finally actually appears uh, in the beginning of a story. Um, that was a concern, I think, with the production team at the time because they thinking, well we're a little worried about how um little the doctor and his companions are featuring in this episode but given what was going on around the time so terrence Dix is busy writing uh seeds of death essentially episodes three through six uh before this um the war games is replacing a couple of stories that have, have fallen through. Um, and so Terrence Dix is also writing that uh-huh. with Malcolm Hulk, uh, a previous story, which was supposed to be in this place had fallen through. So Robert Holmes fresh off of writing the crotons mm-hmm. was sort of contacted. Hey, uh, so we got six weeks to fill. Can you, uh, can you write another story? And, and, and they didn't really have a lot of time to, to polish it. I think Derek Sherwin was back in the script editor position for this and with Peter Bryant serving as producer I think is how it worked who was sort of AWOL for the for the earlier part of the season so it's a bit chaotic behind the scenes right now and I'm I'm intrigued how Robert Holmes writes for his second story a yeah a story that really doesn't involve the doctor right now 
I wonder if, and maybe somebody out there knows this, if Robert Holmes sort of had the idea for for this story sort of in his head for something else yeah. and was able to just like, you know, they're like, hey, we need something and we need it now. And so rather than come up with something from whole cloth, he just uh, takes this idea that he had sort of been noodling around with for something else and manages to shoehorn the doctor and his companions in. So, and the first episode is really setting the stage as first episodes often do. Um, which makes it maybe a little harder to shoehorn them in. I'm totally just randomly guessing here. No, no, that that's uh, you know I could totally see that. Like if 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 they're asking him for a script fairly sharpish, I think this was commissioned like in late 1968, and they're going into production like in March of '69. So like it's happening pretty damn quick. Uh, I bet you probably is. Oh, what else? What other ideas did I have? Like it's sort of like a space western in a way, and that there's you know the law, and then there's pirates who are go around and steal mines and stuff from mines and everything so that could have been just an idea hadn't for a generic sci-fi idea yeah there's validity to your idea i think yeah because it really does feel generic sci-fi to start with i mean it also still feels generic sci-fi to finish with because there's nothing specifically related to the the tardis or the doctor and his companions you know they they could be anybody who who showed up at the wrong time so we haven't really gotten to the the doctorishness yet or you know his companions or, or anything i mean i i don't even know if they will ever really truly live up to to their potential we only you know we'll find that out as we go through these episodes mm-hmm. but you know i like i like beginnings that's a thing yep. so i'm i'm enjoying just watching the setup and i've i've really liked the stories where the doctor and his companions just sort of show up in the middle of a situation where stuff is already happening so like fury from the deep um, which i just really really liked uh you know there's this whole world that is pretty well established by the time the doctor and his companions um appear same thing here and you know the the world that's established here is a little bit more info dumpy than um i feel like fury from the deep is more more you know showing like you're you're learning what the world is like by watching people do things in it whereas here it's it's the the grandiose captain monologuing to his crew so he's really just laying it out he literally says as you know in the middle of one of his speeches which just it made me laugh out loud uh but because of the performance of that actor jack may is that who it is Yeah. yeah it it actually kind of works because he is so over the top and he's declaring everything. And it just, it strikes me as like, I don't know, a a colonial captain who is taking his troops into another country to, you know, take over from the quote unquote savages and just sort of, he he has this very, I, I am important sort of feel to him. So that strikes me as the kind of guy who would who would tell his crew over the loudspeaker a bunch of stuff that most of them already knew because he likes the sound of his own voice. So, yeah, maybe it's not like the most smooth writing in the world from Robert Holmes, but the way that it's put together and realized, it's it's kind of uh laughably like it it works in a laughable sort of way. Like when they they you know go around the ship and show the crewmen listening to the speech, I feel like like there should have been shots of people eye rolling. Yes, here he goes again with his history lesson. Uh, Jack May is the actor. Um, it, it, what about, <laughs> it was pointed out on Twitter a while ago how bizarre a line delivery 
his last line of episode one is, and it, it's just, we are going to be too late again. I just, I, <laughs> yep. I watched it this time and I thought, that's right. That is hilarious. So. <laughs> it really, it really is. Like he's, he is a guy who is intensely, oh, not, I don't want to say aware, convinced. He yeah. is convinced of his own importance. And I feel like he, as a character, feels like he is on stage in front of his subordinates all the time. And I've, I've had bosses who sort of have a declamatory way of of speaking when, you know, in meetings and stuff. So it's not entirely outside the realm of possibility. You know, maybe not the most effective way to start a, to start a story, but using what they have to work with, um, so far I'm so far I'm all right with it. Well, that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you're enjoying it thus far. Yeah, I really am. Uh like I said, I it, if it took me 13 minutes to remember that it was a Doctor Who story right. and I it, needed to wonder where the doctor was, like yeah, that's that's not so bad. I mean, it's it's it, I wouldn't say that the pace, you know, really cooks along, mm-hmm. but uh I'm I'm interested in the setup and interested in seeing what happens and uh and yeah, like it could go downhill from here very quickly, right. but so far it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I like the the idea of of space pirates who are out to to get their own, and mm-hmm. you get a little bit interplay between two of the pirates talking about how you know stealing from the government is is never a good thing. But it's what's the name of the and the material. Argonite. Argonite. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, that definitely felt clunky. The uh, explanation of how argonite is the most... Uh, the most, most valuable substance known to humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Steve, it just, like, I feel like it's not supposed to be funny, but it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of all right with it. Well, I'm glad you're all right with it. That's great. Um, two two things about, about this episode, so this particular episode before we sign off unless you have any other thing um one this was the last episode ever to be recorded at the old lime grove studios they moved back there during the trout era after having moved away uh, around the second season in william hartnell's time and then they moved back and so they it's it's over now that's it for for lime grove studio so pour one out for lime grove studio um they go on to bbc television center from here on in um wasn't lime grove like super janky and very small and didn't have very good uh air conditioning and yeah so we can pour one out but it's a little one it's a very little one i imagine they were very pleased to get out of there uh and two the uh, uncredited, there was a floor assistant on this story. Uh, this was the first episode that he was on, of course. A person by the name of John Turner. Uh, he would be more famously credited as John Nathan Turner, who would be producer for Doctor Who for the entirety of the 1980s. Wow. So this is this is where it all begins for him. His, his Doctor Who journey starts here with the Space Pirates yeah. episode one. So you think it's like if, if John Nathan Turner's time as producer is like a sort of an operatic uh, over-the-top space opera, perhaps <laughs> it's the Space Pirates you have to credit with. The seeds, the seeds are planted right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it then uh, for, for episode one of this six-part epic? epic i like that you're like i just i feel like my expectations are so low because i've heard like i don't know anything about this story and what happens in it despite having heard at least one podcast about it like i just totally none of it stuck um everybody 
everything I've heard about it is just that it's terrible. So I really want to like it so bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know if my desire to like it is actually going to to bear fruit, but I you know, you tweeted that we were we were going to be watching it and I think it was I think it was Liz that was like, "Oh god, you're going to be the one person who likes the Space Pirates, aren't you?" And I was like, "I hope so. Yeah. I really want to be." And you know, maybe there's enough of a contrary streak in me that I will just find things to love about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I'm finding things that I can see why people wouldn't like them, but I'm I'm not going to say loving, but I'm enjoying so far. Well, good. Well, there's the added bonus of the next episode uh, actually existing, the yeah. BBC archives. So so we have moving pictures for one week only for this uh, until we dive back into Telestap land. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that there's one that moves because then sometimes that gives you a little bit of an idea of, you know, how the actors actually speak and move and, and that sort of thing. So um, I am looking forward to that. I'm excited. Well, I am too. <laughs> I am not convinced by the look on your face. I really am. I'm generally looking forward to this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you looking forward to it because you really like this story or because you want to see how I feel about it? I, I want to see how you feel about it, but also I feel that it gets a bad rap because no one knows anything about it mm-hmm. for reasons that I stated earlier. No telesnaps, yeah. uh, you know, not a lot of knowledge. It's in between too much more well-known episodes or stories rather. It just feels like it gets short shrift because of it. And so I am a defender of the space. Whenever people say, oh, I'd love to have any episode come back to the archives except the Space Pirates, I'm thinking, no, mm-hmm. I would love to have all six episodes of the Space Pirates back because we know so little about it. It might be amazing, it might be terrible, but at least we get to judge it for what it is as opposed to what we assume it would be. I think I think uh, received fan wisdom has influenced the opinion of this of mm-hmm. on the, the Space Pirates a lot of the years as it does that happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right well until the next time goodbye goodbye